You're listening to the sermon podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming with Pastor Keith Miller. Can I have you you stand in honor of God's word? Today's reading will be uh, chapter, or Isaiah chapter 63, 15 through chapter 64, verse 2. Look down from heaven, see from your holy and beautiful habitation. Where are you? your zeal and your might? The stirring of your inner parts and your compassion are held back from, the, from me. For you are our father. Through Abraham does not know us, and Israel does not acknowledge us. You, O Lord, are our father. Our Redeemer from of old is your name. O Lord, why do you make us wander from your ways and harden our heart so that we fear you not? Return for the sake of your servants, the tribes of your heritage. Your holy people held possession for a little while. Our adversaries have trampled down your sanctuary. We have become like those over whom you have never ruled, like those who are not called by your name. O that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries and that the nations might tremble at your presence. Well, good morning. Uh, for those of you who are wondering, you know, that, that's Nathan, my son. For those of you who have not met him, so it's pretty cool on Father's Day. He can do uh, scripture reading, so pretty cool. Uh, been, Nathan's one of the young adults that I've been meeting with on Sundays at 4 uh, p.m. at Dasbog to, to mentor, and these young men are going to be, you're going to be seeing more of them with scripture reading and other things as well. Well, how are you? Good. Good. Happy Father's Day to you dads um, and granddads. Uh, just glad that we're able to celebrate together. I want to get into the scriptures. Uh, I just want to say something, though. It is amazing to me how God just puts things together. This sermon was written long before. My manuscript was written long before we even knew that this choir uh, from Uganda was going to come and and share with us. And uh, I just, I was overwhelmed as we were singing together. I had not met them until this morning. And so... For reasons that you will see uh, as we work our way through the scriptures, I'm just blown away. And I believe that because of just the connectedness of what these these kids and adults uh, shared with us this morning and the scripture passage and my my sermon manuscript um, and my notes, I believe God's going to do something here this morning. And so I want to pray one more time. Uh, I'm overwhelmed by this. So let's just pray. God, just rend our hearts. Soften our hearts. Give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see. Give us a mind that would receive your word. God, do what only you are able to do in our lives. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, there are three chapters in Isaiah chapter in Isaiah that I just want to cover. We're not going to we're not going to cover everything in those chapters, but it's really Isaiah 63 verses 15 through Isaiah 65 verse 18 and and uh, this is a message it's it, it's tailored to challenge you dads, but but it's really for all of us. 
And uh, the title of it is Our God and Our Great Father. Um, I had slides there. I don't know if they're working, but uh, hey, look at that. Um, <laughs> so I just don't have my TV, my trusty TV. Let me set it up for you. Sometime after Isaiah, the prophet, Josiah, who was a king, wanted to be godly. Now, what you need to understand is that uh, his grandfather, by the name of Manasseh, reigned 55 years in Judah, would be the southern part of, uh, of Israel, because at this point, Israel is divided into two two nations, the north and the south, Manasseh was an evil, wicked king, and he reigned for 55 years, and he had all kinds of idolatry that he instituted and, and, and encouraged in, in the southern kingdom that included child sacrifice and all kinds of horrible things. That was Manasseh for 55 years. Now, we're in America, and, and we typically have a president who will... Who will uh, and an administration that will sit in the White House for about four years, maybe eight years. This guy, 55 years of evil, uh, horrible things that he endorsed. That was Manasseh. Then Josiah's dad, Ammon, reigned for two years, for two years, and did the same thing, and he died. Then Josiah, as a kid, uh, received the throne became king. He was rightful heir of, the, of being king. And, and at some point, I don't know if it, if it was before he became king or, or immediately after he became king or somewhere within the next 10 years of his reign as king, he had enough. He knew that what his grandfather brought to, to Judah he knew what his father brought to Judah was, was evil. And we're told in the, in the scriptures that he looked to David. Um, long ago, he looked at David, who was, he was, you know, in his, he was great, great, great grandfather. He looked to David as the example that, uh, that he would use to live his life and reign as the king of Judah. And so, um, what happened was, uh, within the first 10 years of his, of, of his reign, he, was, he, was tearing, he tore down the high places, the places of idolatry, and uh, they were cleaning up uh, the temple and reinstituting uh, worship of Yahweh in the temple, Solomon's temple. And, and while they were cleaning and, 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 and organizing, they discovered Deuteronomy, the, 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 the book of Deuteronomy. Moses wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And it was read in Josiah's hearing, and he, and he repented, like he tore his garments. He said, everybody needs to hear this. So he brought all, the, all, of, all of Israel, all the Hebrew people there that, that were able to hear it. They brought it within their hearing, the leaders and, and, the, and the who's who's and the who's nots. And, and people heard the word of God read in their presence for the first time probably in, in like 57 years. And they repented. And God did an amazing thing. And yet um, Israel eventually would turn their backs again. Isaiah was 
was in the midst of all this horrible stuff that was going on. Uh, something, somewhere between Hezekiah and Manasseh. And, and he wrote uh, chapter 63 through ch- chapter 65. And you heard the first, you know, verse 15 through verse 19. And you heard the first two verses of Isaiah 64. And it continues in verse 3, when, when you did awesome things that we did not look for, you came down, the mountain quaked at your presence. From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen God besides you, and you, you who acts for those who wait for him. You meet him who joyfully works righteousness, those who remember you in your ways. Behold, you were angry and we sinned. In our sins, we have, uh, have been long time have been a long time, and shall we be saved? We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. That's how it continues. I'm encu- I'd encourage you, to, if you have a digital device, or if you have your Bible, I want you to see this. I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 63 and see it in chapter 64 and chapter 65. You've you got to see this. In, in uh, verse 7, it says, There is no one who calls upon your name who rouses himself to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have made us melt in the hand of our iniquities. But, but now, O oh Lord, O oh Yahweh, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Be not so terribly angry, O Yahweh, and remember not iniquity forever. Behold, please look, we are all your people. Your holy cities have become a wilderness. Zion has become a wilderness. I mean, you can hear it. You can hear the anguish in, in, in the prophet's heart and as he speaks on behalf of the Lord. Verse 12, will you restrain yourself at those things, O Lord? Will you keep silent and afflict us so terribly? They're under the discipline of the Lord for their idolatry. And in chapter 65, I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me. This is God's response. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am. Here I am to a nation that was not called by my name. I spread out my hands all the day to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good following their own devices, a people who provoke me to my face continually, sacrificing in gardens and making offerings on bricks, meaning their idolatry. And he just continues. He continues on. And, and he, as he, as he go, moves on, he, he says, verse 17, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. This is what's coming. And the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. Like This is, this is, all, this is all written before Josiah arrived on the scene. And there are, there are just five things I want you to see in this passage. Five things. I'll, I'll list them for you so you, know, so you know what's coming. This is what I see in the text. That God is a loving father. That God is a great father. God is a patient father. God is a redeeming father. 
And God is a recreating father or a recreating father. And so that's what I just want to meditate on with you just, just briefly. Like, Israel should have known. She should have known. She should have turned from her sins. She, 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 she had experienced, as a nation, had experienced God's hand and God's favor upon her, not because she deserved God's favor, but because God set his love upon her, and she turned her back on Yahweh, on God. And Isaiah's prayer begins, look down from heaven and see. Look down from heaven and see. What, what, what does Isaiah want God to see? He wants them to see a people whose ancestors God swore to bless through Abraham. He's reminding God, God, you made a promise to our forefathers. You made a promise to Abraham, to, to Isaac, and to Jacob that, that you, would, you would cause your people to flourish and that you would, you know, through this nation, that all the nations surrounding us would be blessed. In verse 16, for you are our father through Abraham. Though Abraham does not know us and Israel does not acknowledge us, you, Lord, you, Yahweh, are our father, our redeemer from of old is your name. This is, he's going to his identity that's found in, in Yahweh. This is, this is who I am in you, Lord. Like I have nothing, I have nothing outside of you. You are my everything. You are my life. You are my, you, you are my breath. You are my everything. And I know that you are a loving God. Like you are, I love this, in verse 8, you, in, in chapter 64, Oh Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hands. And Isaiah was aware that God warned his people. He said, if you turn from me, if you worship other gods, if you do the things that you've been doing for 57 plus years, you will be disciplined. You will experience exactly what you're experiencing. And I love what Isaiah says here. He says, and we'll come back to this at the end of my sermon. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. That's his plea. Oh, that the heavens would be torn open and that you would come down and you would make this right. And, and Isaiah 65, verse 1, I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I was ready to be found. This is God's response. By those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that was not called by my name. There's some of you here who, you know, you, you've... <laughs> Either you've turned your heart towards God, against God or, or you've wandered away. And, and I just want you to hear the voice of, of the Lord say to you, appeal to you, here I am, here I am, come to me. I can be found. I'm not some being off in some distant crazy land. I, I am a personal God. I am able to be known. The second thing that we see from these, these three chapters is that God is a great father. Though Abraham does not know us and Israel does not acknowledge us, you, Yahweh, you are our father. The redeemer from of old is your name. Like, like the history of God and, and humanity is man Runs from God, God pursues man. That's the story of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. 
Sinners run from a holy God. A holy God pursues sinners. And he chases them down. We see it with Adam and Eve. We see it with Abraham. We see it with Moses. We see it all through the Bible. And he says, you know, our, our, our Father, our, our Heavenly Father is a great Father. He is a great God. After God delivered the Hebrew people from the bondage of slavery and they passed through the Red Sea after he parted the sea, they sang a song. And some of the lines in, those song, in that song in Exodus chapter 15 says this, In the greatness of your majesty you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, think about that. At the bla- so he's talking about the parting of the sea. They're singing about the parting of the sea. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up and consumed the, the armies of Pharaoh. The floods stood up in a heap. The deeps con- congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire shall have it. It's full of them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Our God is a redeeming Father. Like most of you in this room, maybe all of you in this room, have experienced the, redeem- the redeeming love of our Heavenly Father. He pursued you. He delivered you from the, from the enemy. He delivered you from your own sin. He pursued you. There's all kinds of mighty things that we see God doing in, in the scriptures that we're reminded of what God is able to do, like the parting of the Red Sea. That was great, but it wasn't the greatest thing that he did. God formed mankind from the dust of the earth. God flooded the earth, cleansing it from the blood-stained soil caused by the violence of, of man and the wickedness of man. God birthed a nation through Abraham when he was very old, when Abraham and Sarah were very old, past the, when Sarah was past the point of childbearing. Over and over again, we read of the great acts of a sovereign and awesome God. If that were not enough, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. How was everything created? God spoke, and then it was created. That's how awesome he is. And this God, brothers and sisters, this God pursued you. He pursued me. Pursued these kids that were up here. Redeemed them. Redeemed you. And he's a patient father. That's the third thing. He, he's a patient father. Hey, the, the fact that he, to, he puts up with our sin, it doesn't mean that he tolerates it. He just gives you every opportunity to repent and to receive the, his mercy and his grace. Isaiah, in, in, in verses 17 through 19 of Isaiah 63, he, he asks, Oh Lord, why do you make us wander from your ways and harden our heart? so that we fear you not. Return for the sake of your servants, the tribes of your heritage. Your holy people held possession for a little while. Our adversaries trampled down your sanctuary. We have become like those over whom you have never ruled, like those who are not called by your name. This is exactly what God warned that Israel would happen. And Isaiah says, just remember us. He asked, will you remember us? And in verses 6 through 7 of Isaiah 64, we have all become like one who is unclean. He acknowledges our sin. He said, we all become like one who is unclean. 
All of us. Okay? And, and all of our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities take, a, take the wind, like, like the wind, take us away. He's describing Israel's sin here. He's describing our sin. And the fact, that, I mean, the sad thing is that Judah didn't listen to Isaiah's plea. And there was always, you know, throughout the history of God's people, there's always a remnant. There's always a, there's a group of people God is working with. He's working in and doing something like Josiah and his generation. But God was patient. He's a patient father. Give, he gave Israel, he gave the people, the Hebrew people, every opportunity to turn from their sins. Brothers and sisters, he, he gives you, he gives me every opportunity to turn from our sins. He's a patient father. I, there's a thing or two that we can learn from our Heavenly Father as dads, right? Like for 414 years, God gave his people every opportunity to turn from their sins, and they refused. And God even said in Isaiah 65, God says to his people, I was ready to be sought by those who did not seek me. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that was not called by my name. I spread out my hands all the day to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good, following their own devices. You read, read verses like this, it sounds like our nation today, doesn't it? Maybe this is describing you. Maybe, maybe, maybe God has his arms out to you. He says, come to me. You're not mine yet, but I'm inviting you, come to me. And you could be my son, you could be my daughter. He's a patient father. Like, think about the way that God has been patient towards you. You know, I've said this a bunch of times, I shared this story, and it's, it's a thing that still sits with me. It's a, still, it's, a, it's a statement that still haunts me. When Kevin Riley asked me, when I was a young adult, I, was, I think I was 24 years old, Keith, when is God going to have all of your heart? When is God going to have all of your heart? God is a patient father. His arms are out. And he's saying, come to me. Come to me. He's also a redeeming father. I, I, I love this line in Isaiah 64. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. That's the solution. Like, it, it, it sounds like that's the solution in Isaiah's mind. Oh, that you would just rend the heavens and come down and fix this mess. Fix this mess in, in, in our midst. Fix these people. Fix this nation. Fix this world. Would you just rend the heavens and come down? Isaiah 63, verse 16, For you are our father, though Abraham does not know us and Israel does not acknowledge us. You, O Lord, are our father and, and our redeemer from of old. Like all throughout these passages. 64, verse 8, But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. 
Isaiah 65, verses 8 through 9. Thus says the Lord, as the new wine is found in cluster, and they say, do not destroy it, for there is blessing in it, so I will do for my servants' sake and not destroy them all. I will bring forth offspring from Jacob and from Judah, possessors of my mountains. My chosen shall possess it, and my servants shall dwell there. Why, why, does, God, why does God remind Isaiah, I'm going to honor the promise I gave Abraham. Because there's a redeemer who's going, to, who's going to make all this possible. There's a redeemer who's going to come, who's going to, who's going to fix what is wrong with the world. I mean, think about that. Think about the patience of God. Like at Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Do you presume on the riches of his kindness and the forbearance and, and patience God, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Like, if you're a Christian in this room, just think about that for a moment. Like, we, this is how we're described. You were dead in the trespasses and sins that you once walked. Then verse 4 of, of Ephesians chapter 2. But God, being rich in mercy... Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. Later, a little later on in Isaiah or Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 10, it says, Well, why did he do this? Well, this is why. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God, God is, a, he is a redeeming father. Here's what that means. It doesn't matter how far you have run from him. He will pursue you. There is no sin that you are guilty of that is so great that his grace cannot overcome. And then the good news, the good news is given to Isaiah in Isaiah 65 where, where the promise is made I'm going to make all things new. I'm going to fix this mess, Isaiah. Verse 17, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy. There's a verse in a, in a, old, a little Old Testament book called Zephaniah in chapter 3. I forget what, what the exact verse is. It's, verses, it's somewhere between verses 15 and 17, I think where it says that God sings over you. He sings over his people. Think about what that means. God sings over his people. He, he sings over those whom he redeemed. He sings over those whom, before he redeemed, who were running from him, who were worshiping other gods, who were doing, not, who were doing evil deeds, and he rescued them, he redeemed them, and the Bible says he sings over you. He sings over you. Like he, he doesn't remember your past in terms of he doesn't hold your past against you. He sings over you. And what I love about, about this fifth thing that we learned from this passage is that he creates all things new. Now, somebody had pointed out to me some time ago that to, the, the word recreate, which means to make new, we get the word recreate from. Did you know that? Recreate. What is recreate? What do you do when you recreate? You celebrate. This person was saying in, in this talk that he gave, he said, Christians should be the most celebratory people on planet Earth. Why? 
because we have been forgiven of our sins. We've been redeemed by a God who, who, who set his love upon us. He, he reminded uh, us, the, the speaker reminded us, he said, like, when Jesus, when, in the Gospel of John, what is the first miracle that Jesus performed? He turned water into wine. Not Welch's grape juice, wine. And the best wine. The best wine. Jesus came to a party and he gave the party the best wine. God redeems a people unto himself and then he reinserts those people into the world as the best wine to say that there is, there is forgiveness to be found in this God who creates all things and makes all things new. In fact, we're told in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? New creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And Revelation, the last book in the Bible, in Revelation chapter 20, verse 5, you know what it says? Behold, I am making all things what? New. All things new. Now, as I draw this to a close, I just want to, I just want to just focus on something real quick. I, and I, I was sitting in, at my table uh, on our, in our island, on our island, in our kitchen this morning, early this morning, and I was just processing this. This wasn't originally in my manuscript. And I was just meditating on, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. You know, God did rend the heavens and he came down. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will what? Not perish, but have everlasting life. <laughs> That's how he rend the heavens. Jesus, born of a virgin, lived a life that we could never live, died on a cross that we all deserved. You, you know, when Jesus was baptized, you know what we're told in, in the Gospel of Mark in chapter 1. I don't have time to read it for you. But when Jesus was baptized as a way of, of launching his ministry, as a way of going public in his ministry, we're told in the Scriptures, in the Gospels, that the heavens were torn. That's what we're told. The heavens were torn. You know what, you know what the Gospel writers are trying to point, tell us? That thing that Isaiah asked for, that God would rend the heavens and come down and fix this mess, was happening. It happened. And when Jesus was baptized, the heavens were torn open. And, and the voice from heaven, from the Father, God the Father, said, this is my son who, I'm a, who I am well pleased. Um, happened. The, the heavens were torn open. And, and just think about all the things that Jesus said. Like in John chapter 8, Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. There's one better coming than Abra than, that, that, that far supersedes Abraham, Isaiah, and that is Jesus the Christ. He said, before Abraham was, I am. And then think about all the things that Jesus said. It, this, this kills me. I honestly did not know what the choir was going to be singing today. And this is what I wrote on my notes. I almost canceled my notes. <laughs> um, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. When the heavens were rent open, as they were torn open, 
Jesus lived the life we could never live. And as he lived that life, he said, I am the bread of life. He said, I am the light of the world. He said, I am the gate of the, for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the true vine. I, love, I, was, just, I was choking up as I was watching these kids worship. And just how... Yeah, and just knowing some of their story, you know, some of the stories behind this group, how Jesus has transformed their lives and has impacted their lives. God ran the heavens. Jesus was born of a virgin, lived a life we could never live. There's another, and a similar word is used of when Jesus was crucified in the Gospel of Mark. And it's used of the curtain in the temple that divided the Holy of Holies where only the high priest could enter into and the rest of the people. And when Jesus was hung on that cross for your sins and for my sins, he cried out, it is finished. And we're told in the Gospel of Mark that in chapter 15, if you're taking notes, that when that happened, the curtain was torn in two. The curtain was rended in two, rendered into two. On the cross, God said, here I am, here I am to a people who did not seek him. And, when, and if you remember, like one of the Roman soldiers, you know, after Jesus breathed his last, and they, they, they thrust that spear into, into his side, he said, surely this was the son of God. On the cross, God's love was demonstrated for sinners as the Father forsook the Son who bore our sins so that all our sins would be washed white as snow. No longer would it be true of us that all of our righteous deeds be considered filthy rags because of what Jesus Christ did on that cross in our place. On the cross, God's kindness was extended to you. On the cross, God made... uh, made your redemption possible. And through the cross of Jesus Christ, you can be made new by a recreating God, a God who makes all things new through his son. Amen? Man, that's good news. That's the gospel. And and, and so here's my appeal to to you dads, and and then I believe the choir's coming back up to to sing. And my appeal to everyone else. (laughs) But dads... You know the greatest gift that you can give your kids and your wife is Jesus. Be sold out for Jesus. If he is your life, if he is your satisfaction, if he is your everything, that is the, that is the thing your family needs to see. That is the greatest gift you can give them is your own personal holiness. And, um, and let your family hear how much you love Jesus. May they hear how much you love them through your words and your deeds as often as possible, shaped by the love that you have experienced from this God who loves you so much. When they break the rules, may, you discipline, may your discipline be seasoned with truth, grace, and mercy. When your child is broken, look for ways to build them up and push them to be better. Like your father, your heavenly father has, re- has made you new. And when they are heartbroken over their sin, remind them that tomorrow is a new day because we have a God who makes all things new. And all of their sins, all of your sins, 
It's been nailed to that cross. And when God sees you, he doesn't see a sinner. He sees the righteousness of his own son. And when he sees you, he sees his son. He sees his daughter. He sees one who he treasures. Amen? And if you don't know Jesus, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? The Bible says if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the grave, you will be saved. Uh, we're going to close in this song. And just think about the words. And think about everyone who's up here and, uh, and where this song is coming from. And then um, I'll just come up and close in prayer. Is that okay at, at the end? All right. What?
you leave, just make sure there's all kinds of ways you can give to this ministry if you're able to uh, bless them and bless the, the work that God has called them to. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to start a series in Jude, and so I thought it would be appropriate to close with this doxology. Could you stand, please? Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, have a great rest of the week. We'll see you, we'll see you again soon. Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.